Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Darling Discussions. Today we have, uh, we have, I have um, with me Jennifer and Sarah from Isaiah 117 House. So, um, Sarah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, my name is Sarah Miller. Um, I am the expansion coordinator for Isaiah 117 House here in McLennan County um, and am just a member of our community who saw a need and, and hope to fill that. So excited to tell you about that today. Okay. Jennifer? Yeah, um, I'm Jennifer Villapondo, and I am just on the volunteer team that has helped um, bring this home to McLennan County, and I'll soon serve as program coordinator. Um, I've just really been honored to be a part of the whole process and also excited to just tell you more about us. Okay. All right. Well, then, before we start talking about y'all's program exactly, um, can we talk a little bit about – foster care and how does the situation look whenever um like what exactly happens between whenever a kid gets cps called on the or the family gets cps called on them and the cps worker says okay yeah this is a situation that we need to remove kids from and then we got to find a placement for them and all of that how does how does that look mm-hmm. well i'm sure Many of you have heard the stories um, of... Oh, hold on. Just one second. Yes. I totally <laughs> forgot. I was going to say, trauma disclaimer, hey, um, if any point during this video you feel uncomfortable when you're watching this, feel free to pause. Take a break. Take some deep breathing exercises. Um, or just be like, you know what? I'm not going to watch this and keep on scrolling. Uh, watch some other videos. That's fine. I'm not going to get my feelings hurt, and neither will these lovely ladies. Um, so just take care of your, your own mental health and be aware of your of your triggers. And um, so hopefully we don't trigger you on anything. But so let's go back to foster care. For sure. <laughs> well, and it is hard. I'm glad you said that. It's it's a hard situation. It's a hard topic, uh, whether you've been involved in, in any way or not. And um, and that's because children are removed from their homes because of abuse, neglect, loss of their only guardian, um, any of the situations you can imagine, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why Child Protective Services uh, pursues an investigation, why children are removed from their homes when that home environment is deemed unsafe for mm-hmm. them for whatever reason. And that day that they're removed from their home, we call removal day. And removal day is so traumatic, um, those children are leaving the only home they've ever known. They're leaving 
mom and their pets and their blanket and the things that really bring them comfort. And they're being taken um, to our local Child Protective Service offices downtown. Um, Child Protective Services is our state-funded uh, department that works really hard to find a safe place for these kiddos to go. But um, that day is is traumatic. Um, mm-hmm. It's filled with trauma for them because they are being taken from their home by strangers, um, leaving a home that whether we would live in it or not, or whether we agreed with the decisions their family made, that was their home and that was their mom. And um, that is what they know is safe and comfortable. And they're being asked to leave. Uh, They're being picked up at the end of the day at school and told, hey, you're not going home today. So that in itself is, is very traumatic. Well, you're saying that's what they see as safe and, and comfortable. I mean, these children are getting removed, though, for abuse or neglect mm-hmm. or something that is unsafe. That's why they're getting mm-hmm. removed, right? Yeah, yeah. And that is the dichotomy, right? Um, in that we hope to, to show those kiddos what, what love is, to show them that they're worthy, to provide them with those things that they don't even know. Um, some of them don't even know they exist. Um, the clean clothes, the toothbrush, the the things that we take for granted every day. Um, And so they're leaving that situation that, yeah, absolutely is, is deemed unsafe for them. Um, But that's all they knew. Um, And so then child protective services is working hard behind the scenes to find them a place to go. Mm -hmm. And that takes time. It's mounds of paperwork that have to be completed. It's phone calls that have to be made. And, and all the time that child is waiting in the local CPS offices um, downtown Waco. And so, you can imagine being that child walking through that traumatic situation, leaving the only home you've ever known and waiting in an office. Um, it's much less inviting than this couch we're sitting on. Um, there's copy machines running in the background. Like I said, people making phone calls. They're many times sitting in a cubicle or in a conference room, and they're just waiting with strangers, people they don't know, they don't recognize, most of the time with only the clothes on their back. And this can happen at any time of the day, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Especially if it's a situation of imminent danger, those removals are happening in the middle of the night. Um, kids are you know, leaving their bed with, with their pajamas still on, and um, and so they're sleeping on cots on the floor in the conference room. Um, CPS is really doing the best they can, but it's just not enough um, when they're having to juggle all the all the balls to balance all the demands of finding them a placement with also caring for the child. I mean, this kind of draws to mind, actually, as you're describing it. I'm sitting there thinking about like some of these refugees with like from Ukraine and stuff, you know, um, we've got these people are having to leave at a moment's notice and go be somewhere completely different and maybe only have the clothes on their back. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what's happening. I mean, that happens every day um, in our community. And in 2020, in our county specifically, we had over 500 removals. So that's on average more than one child a day that's going through this situation. And so, so many people just don't know. Um, They don't know that there's a waiting period. And we think about either that really awful situation that that child has just walked through, or we think about that foster family that we've put on a pedestal and we think it's amazing that they could do that. And, um, but we don't think about the in-between and the in-between is a really, really hard day. Yeah, of course that I can, that's gotta be, yeah, the most traumatic moment of that person's life. I say that child's life, but it's going to stick with them the rest of their life. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. So, um, 
What does Isaiah one seventeen do um, in that on that day? So, um, one of our primary goals is to reduce trauma for the child. Mm-hmm. So, we want to meet them where they are. We want to meet their emotional needs, their physical needs, and just help love and care for them in that moment. Um, mm-hmm. You've heard just how terrible it is, how they're coming from everything that's familiar to them to this really sterile office environment and sitting and waiting and not knowing what the future looks like. So the Isaiah 117 house will provide a physical home that these kiddos can wait in. So we'll be um, just stocked like a normal home. We'll have the comfy couches like this right here. Mm -hmm. And we'll have a kitchen full of food. We can prepare meals and we can order McDonald's. We can do whatever it is um, that the kiddo needs for comfort. Um, As far as food, there'll be snacks galore that they can pick their favorite um, chocolate pudding or whatever it is <laughs> that brings them comfort. Um, we'll have nice soft blankets and a bed to sleep in if um, it is an overnight situation um, that they're coming into um, a shower and a bath if needed. Um, a lot of these kids are coming, like Sarah said, with just the clothing on their back. We'll have a fully stocked um, donation room where we can go and let the child pick out the clothes that they like and Hopefully they can identify a character that they recognize that can bring them comfort to um, shoes that fit um, all of those kind of things that we think of are just really basic, ne- basic needs being met. Um, mm-hmm. They need that in that moment, but right. we'll also provide a loving volunteer that will be there. And their sole purpose is to love and care for that child. Mm-hmm. So your CPS wow. worker is doing all of their work, everything that's required by the state. They're processing this paperwork and making phone calls, but also having a child cry at their feet or holding them in their lap um, and trying to comfort them, doing the best they can. We can offer a volunteer that they they swoop in and take over um, that responsibility of loving and caring for the child. We're probably most excited about that, mm-hmm. I would say. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure that's really hard for the kid to sit there and – um, feel comforted by the CPS worker who just removed them from their home. Could be, you know, I'm sure that they're like, I don't want you touching me. I don't want you to have anything to do with me. And I'm sure that makes filling out paperwork and everything so much harder. I really feel, um, after I heard y'all's presentation the first time, I was like, man, I really feel the for those CPS workers. Mm-hmm. I mean, in our society, CPS workers get painted in such a horrible light. You know, and um, it's just like they're like the boogity man, you know, mm-hmm. and to think about them sitting there and having to go through this grueling job. But and also, you know, everybody sees them like the boogity man and then having to handle these kids and fill out paperwork. I don't like filling out paperwork <laughs> anyway. Right. And then adding on taking care of children while in mm-hmm. probably you know, getting, convincing them to, you know, stay here. It's going to be okay. And, and all of that and filling out paperwork at the same time. So that's really great that you have a place for them, for the CPS worker to have some relief as well as the children. And, um, so how long can this take this placement take? Yeah. So it can be anywhere from just a couple of hours. So, um, CPS could possibly know a family member that would be able to care for the child, and the hope is to get them to that family member as quick as possible and um, make that transition short and hopefully as really 
smooth as possible for that kiddo. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be, um, you know, a sibling set of four kiddos of various ages that um, they don't have any family close by or they don't have family that's able to take care of them. And um, that could take a lot of phone calls and a long time for CPS to find um, a family in Texas that is able to foster four kiddos at a time. Um, We've seen kids waiting anywhere from those couple of hours to days to sometimes weeks for a long-term placement. Um, So it varies based on the needs of the kiddo and um, kind of the availability of foster families. And it's got to be the the right fit, the right, um, you know, it's got to hopefully be able to keep the siblings together. Mm-hmm. So that adds another level and another um, challenge right. to find a home mm-hmm. that can can accommodate that many kids if it's more than a couple. So The unfortunate right. reality is that there's not enough foster families in right. our county, in the state of Texas, in, in the, the country. Ne- I mean, yeah. there's, there's not enough licensed families and that's because foster care is hard and it's scary and we know that we've walked that journey and um, it's hard to say yes to, um, but that makes the, that waiting period even longer. I mean, it could be quick. It could be newborn right from the hospital to a family member to a foster family's door within an hour, but it could mean that we are trying to keep these siblings together and we're trying to keep them as close to their school to keep some sense of familiarity and to do that there needs to be a place for them to go and there's just not enough and they could be infants or wow I didn't even thought about all the care that needs to go into having an infant there for a couple of weeks or something right right wow it, and it also could be an older child that um is just completely aware of everything that's going on so they've yeah. lived this really traumatic event and they're hearing these phone calls be made and reliving that over and over and over again and that's just really hard and it's really hard to think you know, someone on the other end is saying no to me coming to them for whatever that reason is. So um, the yeah. home could offer a space for them to go outside and play or a teenager to relax on the couch um, while those phone calls can be made in more of a private area. Um, and so they're not having to rehear all of that and relive all of that over and over and over again during that time right after it's happened. And a space for those caseworkers yeah. to just take a deep breath. I mean, What you said is so true, and and that's another part of our heart is to love and encourage those caseworkers because we need them. I mean, somewhere along the line, they did become the bad guys, but they're the ones who are working hard to find a safe place to go. And if we didn't have them, who knows what the situation would look like. And so um, we want to encourage them. And Instead of these kids just getting traumatized, they might have been worse. Right. And so we we want to come alongside them and to say you are loved and supported and we need you to do the job you're doing because it's necessary. And, um, you know, so many times investigative workers are doing uh, processing removals and someone knows, oh, this child's been waiting for five hours. They need to eat. But no one's thinking about the caseworker. No one's thinking that caseworker has worked all day processing this removal, trying to find a placement. They haven't eaten. They really need to go take a nap. Uh, They've just processed this trauma while they're processing the paperwork. I mean, how do you do that? Um, They're walking into spaces that for most of us would be hard to even think about, and they're living it just like those kids are when they go in and and have to remove a child. So that is for sure a huge part of of our mission as well. Yeah, I know um, when I was 
doing a lot of social work, going into people's houses and working with them. That's always like, oh, what am I going to face when I go into this household? Mm-hmm. You know, you never know. You never know. Is there going to be a big scary dog? Is there going to be a weird smell? Is there going to be something that you just can't unsee? You know, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I have to tell you sometime about the story about the dog that chased me off the porch. Oh, no. um, <laughs> <laughs> never seen me run so fast in my life. Let's just say that. <laughs> but um, so yeah, these um, CPS workers—they're sitting there and going through that, you know. Except I'm just kind of wondering: is it going to be bad? And they know that it's bad when on removal day, mm-hmm. and. I mean, God, my heart breaks for them. And mm-hmm. and these kids, um, that it is a step forward, but it's still such a painful step. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad Isaiah 117 is stepping in and saying, hey, you know, this is something to ease this transition. Mm-hmm. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So, um, just to make sure I'm covering everything. Um, I guess we're to the point where... We talk about how can people help out with this? So there are so many ways. <laughs> okay. um, that's one thing I think we love is, um, we've already said this, foster care is hard. It's scary. It's hard to say yes to. But I think there's this misconception that to serve foster children, you have to become a licensed foster family. You have to let kiddos sleep in your home for 18 months at a time. And that is not the case. And I think this ministry is such a clear picture of that because there's a place for everyone. Um, one of the things coming up really soon that we're really excited about is um, we have a fundraiser and a giving day on Tuesday, April 26th. So if you're interested in giving um, to help us build a home here in McLennan County, we would love that. Um, you can gl- give at Isaiah117house.com slash McLennan Luncheon. Um, and maybe we can link that um, for you there. But we would love to to for, for anyone to participate in that day as well. Um, but there's for sure some other exciting things coming up too. You know, we're talking about it being a ministry and um, the giving day. Maybe we should roll back a little bit and say, this isn't a regular type of business. <laughs> 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 this is a ministry. This is a nonprofit. This is, mm-hmm. so um, tell us a little bit. I love the story about how this all started, where it all started. Give us that story. Can you do that, Jennifer? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so we are part of a larger nonprofit. We're 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 here local. We're in McLennan County. We're in Waco. Um, but this started in East Tennessee. Um, it was born out of a family's personal experience in the foster care system, and um, their steps of obedience and first becoming a foster family, and then just knowing that like God wasn't done in their lives and that they had um, just a really great purpose in helping his precious kiddos um, know that they're not alone on their worst day. And so um, in going on a tour of a local CPS office, they call it something different in Tennessee, but we call it CPS here. Um, 
they realize kids are sleeping in these conference rooms and waiting for a place to stay. And um, that just wasn't okay. And so um, the family, Rhonda and Corey Paulson, along with their kiddos, um, started it in their own county, Carter County, Tennessee. Um, it's completely community supported, and that's the way it began. Um, they basically just rallied their community and said, this is happening. This is what we're going to do about it. What can you do to help? Um, and so they had, you know, someone donate land They ha- or a home at that point, and they renovated the home, and they've done this over and over and over in other communities um, across Tennessee, um, in Florida, in Georgia, in Virginia, in Indiana, and in Texas. And um, they're just people like us that are – Reaching out, like Sarah actually, reaching out and saying, um, we have this need in our community too. What can we do for these kids and families um, that are really hurting here? So, And why did you say like Sarah too? Well, um, <laughs> the ministry does not seek to expand. They, they aren't looking at a map and saying, okay, where should we go next? Because honestly, every county across the nation needs an Isaiah 117 house because unfortunately you have kids entering care um, across the country. Um, but Sarah reached out and said, hey, I've identified this need um, just through some different ways, um, my background being a foster parent and just also keep, kind of keeping a pulse and knowing that um, I'm not done in this world. And um, she reached out, submitted a video, and asked, hey, what do we do to make this happen? And they approved McLennan County as an expansion and – you can add a little bit more about how you. So, Sarah, yeah. you're the one who brought it here. <laughs> yeah. I'm the culprit. <laughs> well, kudos. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think um, we say this a lot. And by we, I mean anyone in the foster care community that once you see it, you can't unsee it. Right. So, as Jennifer said, I mean, it came to a point where my husband and I, we knew we weren't done yet. So, it was okay. How how are we going to serve now and really praying about what that looks like and simultaneously stumbled upon this ministry, Isaiah 117 house and thought, surely there's a need for that. Then Jennifer comes in um, because we were acquaintances at the time and she has some connections with child protective services, knowing of the needs. And so it was really the first point of clarity for me that yes, we absolutely, absolutely need this because, um, kids were sleeping on the floor and she was the one trying to rally people to help um, with that. And so that was really the moment where we kind of joined forces and I said, Hey, what if, what if we start this thing? What if we do this? And um, she first said no, but here she is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, what we've seen all along is that it really is all so God orchestrated. I mean, he has lined things and they've fallen into place years before we even knew. Um, and that's such a cool thing to be a part of, just to see him work. He's going before us. This is not what we're doing. We're just um, the hands and feet, right? And um, and that's really the message of the ministry. And that, as Jennifer mentioned, they're not looking to expand. They never were looking to expand. Right. But people across the country have just started to hear about this ministry, realized, hey, this is a need happening in my own community. How can I make this happen? Um, and each county is, like she said, it's um, all local community supported. Mm-hmm. So we are, in a sense, operating this model here because we've seen it work. We've walked through those open homes. But 
it's all reliant on our local community here to make it happen here for our kiddos. And you said um, before, like, there aren't a lot of uh, counties in Texas that are doing this. Right. So this is it. Hey, Wacoans, <laughs> you should be proud that this is something happening here. Um, so what other counties in Texas are, I keep hitting this mic, are <laughs> doing it right now? Yes. So um, McLennan and Dallas County, we both kicked off in September of 2021 officially. And then um, Brazoria County and Montgomery and Walker County will um, kick off end of April, early May. But we really are just expecting this to grow in Texas. I mean, it's so exciting for us, but right. also equally heartbreaking because right. there is such a need in our state. In 2021, there were over 16,000 removals of children in the state of Texas. 16,000. Yes. And so the need is huge. Um, yeah. Rhonda Paulson, our founder and executive director, has said, and I, I, I chuckle every time she says it, but it is so heartbreaking is that Texas says everything big even the child welfare crisis. And so it is such a need here. So we know it's going to continue to grow just like it did in Tennessee and is starting to across the country for sure. Right. Wow. Well, um, that that's an incredible origin story. Uh, man, I've watched too many <laughs> Marvel things. Um, <laughs> origin story, but yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so... Let's go back to people like helping out. There's the giving day and um, what else do y'all have? Volunteers. And since it's a nonprofit, I guess y'all do a lot of volunteers. So um, the giving day is actually what is going to get us to the point where we can build this physical home. Um, okay. Our hope is after we have that big fundraiser, um, we'll be able to acquire land and break ground um, and just build that house as fast as we can, you know, mm -hmm. however, however that looks. Um, once the home is open, we will have caregiver volunteers that will go through an extensive background check and trainings to actually be hands-on caring for kids in the home. Um, but we'll also always have support volunteers that um, maybe that's not a good fit to actually, you know, be on an on-call schedule um, to come and help with the kids, but we'll need lawn care. We'll need someone that, you know, helps prepare freezer meals. We'll need um, someone that helps do inventory of our donations. Um, just really anything you can think of to run a home. So we have a plumbing issue. We're going to need someone to come and look at that mm -hmm. and help us with that. Um, so really there are just so many ways that people can basically use their talents and gifts to get plugged in um, in support right. of this mission. Um we, we will do some um, regular community events. We will have um, lemonade stands every summer. So organization-wide, we have um, a challenge. We like to um, compete with all of the other expansions across Texas, but also across Tennessee and all of the other locations. Um, and we'll just do some fun things like most creative um, lemonade stand. And the purpose of that is just to raise awareness about the need and mm -hmm. our ministry um, and get our kids involved because there's not always, you know, an easy way for kids to be involved with something like this, but we can teach them about foster care. We can teach them about serving others, um, helping those in need in our community. And I mean, also give them the confidence to boldly share about their faith and about this ministry um, in over a glass of lemonade that they're selling to someone. Um, 
that will be July 15th through 17th. So we'll have a whole weekend of lemonade stands across the county. So be on the lookout for that. Um, if you want to host a stand or get more information about that, that information will be on our social media pages. Um, also, we'll have a golf tournament in the fall, and we'll do that annually. Um, any golfers out there would be so happy to have you. And um, I can't play well. I but cannot I either. It. I cannot either. But I can. I mean, I can drive. I'm the excited golf about cart. that lemonade stand. Yes. My daughter yes. has been bugging me. Can I do a lemonade stand? Yes, yes you, you can. can. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to. Yeah. Yeah. We, Thanks, guys. We, no. I've, <laughs> I've got your number. <laughs> yep. So, so fun things like that to bring yeah. to bring awareness to the need. Um, just celebrate the goodness um, that can come from just a really dark situation too. Right. Um, and we're you know we like to go to community events. So if there are things happening, um, the farmers market. Um, we're going to a car show in a couple of weeks. We we love to set up, set up at those and meet members of our community and also um, just interact and share the story. Um, we've made some just really amazing connections and built relationships based on those just quick two-minute conversations. Right. Um, I've gotten to know so many people in this last year that I would never know otherwise if I wasn't wearing this T-shirt standing at a table. I have to say, Waco <laughs> yeah. is so so great about that it's such a friendly town yeah. i love you it's it's been <laughs> so fun we yes. man I, we so were friendly. we were serving the other day um we serve monthly at our cps office and um, i can tell you more about that too oh yeah yeah so we go in um we try to do it around the 17th of each month and we just use it as a time of encouragement for those workers um there are about 150 CPS staff members in wow. McLennan County. That is a lot. 150. Yes. yes. Wow. And they're doing various things. Some of those some of those people are the, the ones that are actually doing the investigations and going into homes. Um, some are... Just taking phone calls. Taking phone calls. Um, some are really finding support for families. They spend their days um, looking at resources, um, communicating with the families that are in crisis. And, you know, that's a really key key role um with cps and a lot of them are going so above and beyond what's required of them um that it's really really awesome to see and then you have an adoptions unit and you have you know leadership so you have you have a just a big range of people but what we like to do is go in and spend spend time praying with them and thanking them for their hard work and encouraging them to keep it up um we are bringing in groups to do that with us. So if there are groups in the com community that would be interested in participating in that, it's a really, really, really sweet time. Um, it's weird to say that it's become one of my favorite times. Um, That's each not weird. month is to spend a couple of hours in the CPS office. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, you know. I mean, okay, that's when you weird. say it like that, <laughs> it does sound a little yeah. weird, but that's but just, okay. But that sounds, that's so great. Yeah. You, I look so around weird. the room and there are people that they haven't had that acknowledgement that what they do is really, really hard work. And so it's been really sweet to be able to say that to them, yeah. um, pray with them. Talk and unsung heroes. Yes. And just ask, okay. like, ask God to, to give them guidance in all of the very, very important decisions that they're making um, for families and um, sustain them through those really hard times. Um, but I looked around the room the other day and I didn't know a single person a year ago. 
So all of these people in this wow. room have came into my life through serving with this ministry. And that was just really sweet. I think there was one person from my church that I had met otherwise, but everyone else, um, they're completely new and it's just a joy to, to serve with people that are from all different backgrounds, all different churches in our community and, mm-hmm. um, different businesses stepping up and rallying together. It's fun. Well, I am so glad that I've got to meet y'all. And yes, now that y'all have got to meet these <laughs> lovely ladies yeah. and uh, the program and the ministry that they are supporting. And um, we will put a link um, in the description um, for everything to do with them and to follow me. Um, and so y'all can find out more information. Thank you again, ladies. Thank and you so much. so much. That's a wrap, Mike. All right.